The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to SideQuests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. And this SideQuest is going to be probably the easiest for me to edit because, ta-da, Peter's here in Denmark. Yeah, this is, it's a first. We're, we're actually in the same room recording together for, for the first time. Hopefully not the last time. No, it's, it's been more than two years since we've last been together, right? Uh, yeah, at least two years. It was when we met up in... Uh, yeah, we, we did meet up here in Copenhagen. We're supposed to meet up in... In Stockholm the year after but then the COVID happened yeah uh, and just to tie it in with the, the podcast the last time we, we met up um, we met up a, a couple of friends here in Copenhagen and we actually played Dark Ages yes yes we did which was really cool uh, if nothing else just actually role-playing because when when we're our age we don't get time to do that enough yes the the classical problem back when when we were poor students we couldn't really afford that many books and role-playing games but we had all the time in the world to play and now i like i if if i want a role-playing uh, book i'll buy it but yeah but then you're gonna have to find the time to actually play it oh the the burdens of of being a responsible adult or <laughs> in my case an adult yeah um but yeah that was um very kind of interesting because the people we met up with were a bunch of friends that we um, and we touched upon this when we did the um, the one year anniversary we met online yeah, we did. And then, and that was uh, in the White Wolf forums. And then somebody got the idea of of doing like a forum con, a forum convention where ev- everyone who was who was sort of part of this um, community we had at the in in the um, in the forums were invited to come to a convention. And God knows why, but I was one of the people who said, "Yeah, we can <laughs> we can start this off in in Copenhagen." Uh, was that in 2004? Yeah, I th- yeah, it must have been in 2004 because it was the year that I turned 18. Uh, so, so yeah, that that's quite some time ago. Yeah, so you you were 18, so you didn't need a note from your uh, from your dad. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one of the other people who uh, he was 17 and a half, basically. So, <laughs> so he had to have a note from his parents. I was basically um, I was doing this convention with with my wife and uh, some of our friends, and we basically thought, okay, it's it's someone's coming who's under the age of 18, just to cover our backs. Let's let's get some kind of of, of signed documents from yeah. from their um, their parental unit, um, and that was, was that the first time we met in real life. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and so we were a bunch of uh, people meeting up at um, it was a rather nice location actually in at a, a Danish university, uh, and obviously I I ran a dark ages lark. Yeah, yeah, you did, and then then things just kind of went downhill from there, more or less. Yeah, onto the floor, basically. Yeah, yeah. Who, uh, who was eating floor pizza? Uh, that was Niels Martin. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the, oh. it was as people who have gone to cons, you know that there wasn't enough sleep. Uh, Definitely. So, but yeah, that was that was fun. But it's. And I still remember you lighting the barbecue with fire breathing. Yes, I did. It's it's been quite a few years, and I did some fire breathing as well. Uh, so I haven't really gotten the opportunity uh, to do it. But no. yeah. uh, uh, trying to tie it back to you know our historical stuff. When did fire breathing start? I mean, did people do fire breathing in the Middle Ages? 
I don't I don't think so actually because you you need some kind of of flammable liquid so uh so, so I don't really know when it started but but I do know that the the kind of uh traditional that that you have in a lot of fantasy movies movies uh, and unfortunately medieval movies as well where we have kind of a scene of a marketplace and it's it's going through and you see someone juggling and someone does a fire uh, breathes fire just as the camera pass it's not really accurate uh, because you you really didn't you you didn't you wouldn't want to use alcohol because that would be too expensive. Yeah. Uh, and and the kind of of oils uh, like olive oil or, or linseed oil isn't it, it's not flammable enough that you could easily do it. So. Plus, um, I mean, you probably wouldn't want to do fire shows inside of a town or a city. You'd probably want to do it at yeah. a marketplace outside. Yeah. Because fire bad. Yeah. <laughs> fire and thatched roofs is not a good combination. <laughs> no. But yeah, the, the plan was that we wanted to do um, more um, forum cons because the first one was actually quite the um, it was quite the uh, success. You had people coming from uh, all over the place, including like uh, one um, one woman who came in from from the U.S. A colleague of mine who was also a, a yeah. White Wolf rider, Janet, which was really cool that yeah, she came we, all that way. We did have at least one person from Canada as well. So Oh yeah, that was Mark. Yeah. Um came came as well. Uh so that was that was amazing. Uh and then the plan was that it it was going to be in Sweden in Malmö the next year. Um was was, was No, it was in Helsingborg. No, Helsingborg. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um and we did manage to do something, but it wasn't all that big. It was only no, like it was, yeah, what, it was fifteen, twenty people or something like that. I, no, we, I think we actually were more than thirty or forty. Oh, but okay. but the thing was that we didn't really get international crowd, so it was just a lot of Swedish and Danish people coming. We around. had a few from Britain as well. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, um, and that was the year that uh, I can't remember if there was a LARP that year. I don't think there was, but. I remember that as being the year where my wife and our friend Mikkel ran their uh, really, really um, fun uh, Dark Ages Fae LARP. Not, not, sorry, not LARP, uh, Dark Ages Fae scenario. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Yeah, we, we did a bunch of, of uh, uh, con scenarios and one, one was the Fae one. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, then it sort of petered out after there, but it, it's kind of fun to think back to the old um, to the old forums and and all the things that oh, happened yeah. there that was that was the wild west back then yeah it really was and and it's yeah it's it's almost historical <laughs> thinking about it kind of like how how things evolved because you didn't have you didn't have the facebooks or or twitter or anything like that so it was basically uh, yeah it was communicating through the forums emails or msn messenger Awesome. Oh, that was yeah. That was, ICQ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was basically what you did have. Yeah, but anyway, so it's it's really nice to uh, to have you uh, to have you down here. Although I must say, your powers of bringing the sun are failing you. Yeah, I know. I'm just gonna blame climate change on that one. Uh, <laughs> but we we did have some a few hours of non-rain yesterday. Uh, yeah. Let's see if if we can get some today. But Fing- fingers yeah. fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and obviously. Mike and I would love to. My wife and I would love to go back and and visit you up up north and spend some time in in Stockholm. 
because uh, we've only been there once and you've been down here quite a few times yeah i i have uh it's even it, it was quite cheap for for a university student to just pop down and visit actually <laughs> yeah uh, um but yeah it's it's and of course i mean we we are we're fairly close to each other at least on an international scale because what what it take you what seven hours to get here by train or something like that uh no, a bit a bit longer uh, because I had to switch trains, but but yeah, it's uh, I I took the night train this time, which was a first, but yeah, it's it's short enough or, or quick enough that it's it's not really a hassle, uh, and yeah, and it's it's a lovely trip just going by train down the from from the middle of Sweden to the to Denmark because you have some lo- lovely vistas. Yeah, it's yeah. I I remember when uh, when we came up to uh, to visit in Uppsala. Uh, one of the reasons we took the train was basically to to see yeah. the uh, the countryside because obviously Denmark doesn't have much in the way of countryside. When you go through Denmark, it's mainly uh, towns, cities, and f- um, fields. Yeah. Well, you did pass through the areas that used to be Denmark that we that Sweden stole from you. So so you in in a way you actually did go through the Danish countryside as well. <laughs> oh, you say stole. It was more. Yeah, com- more yeah. It was more uh, a case of uh, Sweden was beating Denmark in a war, and then uh, some other countries went. Hang on, if Sweden takes Denmark, then Sweden's going to be a bit too powerful. Yeah. So it's Holland and a couple of other countries got involved because Denmark and Sweden have uh, been historically been at war so many times. Yeah, I think it's and it kind of depends on on how you count it. But but I've read people claiming that. Uh, Sweden and Denmark has uh, the world record of uh, of uh, armed conflicts with each other. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like uh, you have countries that have had long wars, like the Hundred Years' Wars yeah. and stuff like that. But we we've just had so many individual wars yeah. against each other. Yeah. Um, so so and it's it's fun now. Uh, it's it's still like um, we Denmark and Sweden can still really bicker and and go at, at each other. I mean. I remember uh, the first time we were in the U.S. together. They, oh, yeah. They, yeah. They, there were sometimes people who... Um, that, was, that was for a Dragon Con. And there were people there who knew me but who didn't know you. And I just basically like, this is one of my good friends. Yeah. And then they witnessed our interaction and they were wondering, wait, wait, I thought you said you were good friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, then obviously, if anyone comes after Sweden or Denmark while Swedes or Danes are together. They'll band, they'll band yeah, together. Yeah, it is. Or if we, there's we, any Norwegians around. We'll, yeah, then we're just going to beat up on, on um, Norwegians. Yeah, because Norway, it's... Uh, once again, when we're talking historical stuff, um, Norway's kind of been passed around between Sweden and Denmark. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you go back to when uh, Dark Ages vampires said Norway is its own country. Yeah. But later than that, it, it started getting conquered. Yeah, and and what's interesting is is that Norway was actually quite influential, and I think I might have mentioned this in in a previous podcast. But uh, if you go to the north of of Scotland, you have an area there called and a clan called Sutherland, mm. uh, which means the the southern lands. And reasons why it's called the southern southern lands, even though it's the northernmost part of Scotland, is because it was influenced uh, by. Norway and, and the yeah. kings of Norway. So you had uh, people going back and forth, and even b- back up into the the 13th century, you had uh, you had uh, Norwegian royalty marrying into Scottish royalty. So mm. so it was it was a whole big thing um, 
even though if you kind of look at the map, it looks like it's it's the far edge of the world. But but of course, back then the uh, main main form of of transport and communication was by sea. And if you go by sea between Norway and and Scotland, it, it really isn't that far. So it's yeah. it's still kind of connected. And that sea travel thing is is the reason why uh, what is today southern Sweden was was Denmark because yeah. today we we kind of we tend to think as water uh, of water as a border yeah uh, and and so it makes sense that the border between Denmark and Sweden is in the sound in the sound yeah. between the island of Zealand and the region of Scania but back then getting from Zealand to Scania was just a matter of popping across yeah. uh, a bit of water yeah. but getting to Scania from uh, uh, further north you had yeah. to travel through bogs and dense forests yeah. and everything so it was more connected to denmark than it was to what was was then sweden yeah um so it, it just made sense and it was uh when denmark became denmark uh through a, a three-way um civil war like denmark was it, it's 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 a interesting thing because people who know history mainly from hollywood and from from a sort of fantasy version of history or who've never really delved into it they tend to think of of kingdoms as a kingdom yeah but yeah. back in uh, just after the the viking age denmark was actually three kingdoms in one yeah um, um and then there was a three-way civil war and uh, that was between the regions of Jutland, Zealand, and Scania, yeah. which was a Danish region at the time. Yeah. And then, after that civil war was over, Denmark was finally united as one kingdom. Uh, it had been three kingdoms under one king. Now it was one kingdom under one king. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 kind of fun to think of of how things changed. And obviously, Denmark controlling Scania meant that Denmark controlled the link between the Baltic Sea yeah. and the. Uh, uh, and the North Sea and yeah. and the rest of the the Atlantic and that was that was basically the reason why people wanted Sweden to have Scania. Yeah, exactly. And um, in Sweden was also in if you look at the Swedish coat of arms, you have the three crowns, yeah. which is also three or three original regions uh, in in Sweden. Uh, and but but yeah, uh, Sweden when it was. At, at its height during the 17th century when it was actually yeah. an empire uh, the Baltic Sea was was basically a Swedish sea because yeah. uh, except I don't really know if you go into the Gulf of, of Finland into to Russia if we actually had like the Karelia area yeah exactly if, if we had it well, well we <coughs> did because we did have Vipuri back then so so basically all of, of the Baltic Sea was uh it was it was all Swedish uh, and and which again as you mentioned that's for for economical reasons uh, a lot of people didn't want that yeah so. exactly the the Dutch and uh, the Hanseatic League yeah. they really 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 wanted to be able to get uh, into and out of the Baltic without having to pay either Denmark or Sweden yeah um, and uh, the funny thing is that now um, it, it's really a problem because since since it's a border, there yeah. has to be international waters. Yeah. So there is a, uh, this stretch of water where no national laws apply. Yeah. And this has actually caused a lot of problems. Um, and, and there's been talk about either giving Denmark a, a tiny bit of land yeah. in southern yeah. Sweden or giving Sweden a tiny bit of yeah. land on Zealand just so that it's not co total total international waters. Yeah. So you can start enforcing the stricter, uh, especially, um, what's the word I'm looking for, environmental yeah. laws yeah. Uh, 
in in that area. Yeah, unfortunately, the the strait between uh, Sweden and Denmark is one of the most polluted ones uh, in in the world, actually, because you have so much um, sea traffic going going back and forth. And I I don't know the details really, but there is uh, ships, big big uh, container and freight ships often use just seawater as as ballasts. Yeah. Uh, and if you go into the Baltic Sea, which is um, it's it's quite a sensitive area because it's uh, it only has the one outlet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, ships has to dump their ballast water before they go into it, and, mm. and so apparently they quite often do it in the strait which means that you get this kind of polluted water just being dumped there, yeah. uh, which which sucks for environmental reasons. So, mm. Oh, by the way, going back to Norway, one thing that I learned doing a, a bit of research is that in uh, in the time of, of the Dark Ages setting, Norway actually had the fourth most popular uh, Christian pilgrimage site, which yeah. is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah Nidaros. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did not know that. Like that. I mean, obviously, Jerusalem most popular. Yeah. Then Rome. Then Santiago de Compostela. Yeah. But Nidaros was was the fourth one. I I did not know that. That's kind of fun to think about. Yeah. It's and and again, it shows how the kind of the um, popular view of of the Middle Ages and and people just farming dirt and and having the plague isn't really. It's it's quite incorrect, obviously. Uh, and and again, it shows that Norway, even though it is on the edge of, of the back then known world, you had the North Sea and, and of course you had Iceland, but but then you just have the Atlantic. It It's still connected to the rest of, of Europe and, and everywhere else. So, uh, yeah, I, I find it interesting when when in, in some media, um, especially Scandinavia is kind of portrayed as, as the ass end of the world and it's basically just a bunch of Vikings still living there even though it's it's the high uh, high Middle Ages, which is just weird. Yes, I mean, it's true that since Scandinavia was never uh, conquered by the Romans, um, you the, the what, what people tend to think of as civilization did arrive there mm. later. Yeah. But at the same time, um, things were still happening. Yeah. And and even once the uh, Viking Age ended, and you can debate when that exactly that happened, yeah. but you still saw uh, a flourishing. Sure, because it was a, a cold land um, where not that many people lived compared to further south. Yeah. It went slower, but you still had places like Ribe, like Haithabu, um, I don't know what the big cities in Sweden were back then. Uh, it was it was Uppsala, and you had uh, Birka during the Viking Age, uh, which Vispia, is I yeah, as Vispia well. is, is one of the big. Kalmar was Swedish at points and, <laughs> and conquered by the Danes. But yeah, you you did have the big cities, and and yeah. again, even even though you didn't really have the big connections, you still had contact and trade going on. So, yeah. for example. Um, uh, amber is is uh, very much something that you can only find, uh, or at least large quantities of uh, you can find uh, around the Baltic Sea. Yeah, the, uh, the gold of the north, as it's called. Yeah, gold. exactly, and that was that was traded all over civilization, basically. Yeah. Uh, so so you still had people going back and forth, and that was the driving point. I mean, a lot of people talk about religion, and sure, yeah. religion was a big thing, but trade 
was such a big thing, and it's pretty much money talks. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned, Amber, there was the herring. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the area in in uh, Skinia, Falsterbo, and that area around there was had this huge herring market. Yeah. And and people might be thinking like, well, how important can herring be? Seriously important. Yeah. Like it yeah. was it was enough that uh, the Hanseatic League considered going to war in yeah. order to secure the herring fisheries. Yeah. And and Falsterbo was basically. Uh, under Hanseatic law at times yeah. in order to secure that because of, of when you take the herring you salt it so that it lasts quite a long time you can export it all over Europe yeah. and you had these days where people were not allowed to eat meat and fish did not count as meat yeah. um, and and, and seal, sin, seals since they live in the water <coughs> and they swim around they're obviously not meat they're fish so you could eat those as well and since uh, you never see the eggs of barnacle geese then yeah. obviously they must be fish as well. Yeah. I, I still love that one. Yeah. That basically, because uh, the barnacle geese, they, they uh, migrate to Canada yeah. and then they return as adults. The reason they're called barnacle geese in English is because they actually believe they came from barnacles. Yep. Yep. And obviously anything that grew up in the water was fish. Yeah. And so you were allowed to eat those. Yeah. Like The lawyering involved in that one is, is yeah, amazing. But, but again, it, it wasn't only that. Uh, it was like... Because, uh, as you mentioned, the, the barnacle geese, they, they are migra uh, migra migratory birds, so they go away. And, and like, uh, we, we have that, like, people were wondering where the birds went yeah. in, in the winter when they left uh, Scandinavia. And, and even up in, until the 1700s, you have uh, the famous uh, Carl von Linnea, the, yeah. the, the scholar who, who was like, he, he was the big guy when it comes to natural science. Uh, he believed, I think it was the, the swallow who he, he thought uh, that they, they wintered at the bottom of lakes. Oh. African uh, or European swallow? Uh, probably Europe. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I don't if remember. If you don't know, you're going off the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so you, you had people uh, guessing things that, that for us in the modern age, when we actually know things, we find them funny and laughable. But, but back then, they didn't know because they, they couldn't follow the birds. So. Yeah, and it's like, that's one of the things that, that can annoy me a bit about um, about history. It's like people thinking that people back then were stupid. They weren't yeah. stupid. No. They were ignorant. But ignorant is nowhere near the same as stupid. Yeah. Ignorant sim simply means that there's stuff you don't know. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I have, I, I couldn't explain to you how my TV works. Yeah. But, but that doesn't mean I'm stupid, it just means I don't know how my TV works, yeah, because yeah. I'm not into that. Yeah. And, I mean, in in a day and age where people are uh, taking horse dewormer, yeah. we should be careful who we call stupid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you had things like the Tide Pod challenges and things like that. So, so yeah, yeah, there's a huge difference between not knowing things and not being intelligent. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, I mean... <clears throat> When when you, because one of the things I love about about historical gaming is trying to get into, uh, the the the, the period. Yeah. Uh, and so, you, one of the things I love is trying to figure out what did they know back then, what did they do back then. Yeah. And the more I learn, the more I realize just how sophisticated they were. Yeah. Uh, like I'm currently working on um, a book, uh, for the Storytales Vault for Dark Ages, um, where there is travel in Morocco. And mm, yeah. I found out that in Morocco, they apparently, uh, during the Middle Ages, 
uh, all cities and most towns had specific travelers in like something like Suruks or something like that, mm. like caravanserais, but in cities. And every morning, an official would come da- uh, come in there and take down names and where were you going and stuff ah, like that. Yeah, and yeah. it was this huge bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and once again, yeah, it it wasn't all people in brown farming dirt. Yeah. Uh, and if if nothing else, I hope that that what we're doing here is is letting people know just how vibrant and and complex yeah. uh, the the Middle Ages were. Yeah, I, I think that if there's if there's something that hasn't really changed in forever, then it's it's bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the earliest like earliest written records we have is is from what is it? Is it from Babylon or Ur? One of the first cities. Babylon or Sumer? Yeah, and and it's. Like that. Uh, I think it's a complaint letter that someone like like an official complaint yeah. form basically, uh, which again shows the importance of of bureaucracy because uh, you you usually only write down what's important. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'm I'm of course I'm assuming and also hoping that they wrote down more more. Uh, entertaining stuff like like novels and and poetry and stuff well, like that, but it's it's still kind of interesting I that one of the earliest f- records is a is bureaucracy. Basically. I know uh, of one amazing letter which just shows that people don't change all that much. Um, once again, it's it's down there, Sumer, uh, Acadia, Babylon, whatever. Mm. But it's it's a letter written. Uh, by a student to his mom complaining that he's not getting uh, a good enough allowance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and something like, yeah, yeah, I, I only have uh, one set of clothes and my friend has two sets of clothes yeah. and my friend's slave has better clothes than yeah. me. Send more money. Yeah. Uh, so it just shows that things don't change all that much. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, my uh, my brother-in-law, he, he studied... Um, uh, this you know early historical mm, yeah. period and just some of the texts that he uh, told us about are fascinating and also really shows that there are some things that people have worried about since forever yeah and and people people are going to worry about the same things basically it's 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 taxes and usually divorces and as you mentioned please send more monies uh, and and going back to what you mentioned earlier, that that uh, communication and stuff like that was mostly based on trade uh, and not necessarily religion. We do have examples of uh, of when trade caused the spread of religion. Oh yeah, uh, because at at some points you had like, well, if you if you want to trade with us, you have to be the same religion as yeah, us. Yeah, the, the the big the big uh, theory is actually that's one of the main reasons why the Vikings became Christian. Yeah, exactly. And and you have finds where uh, uh, burial finds where where people have been buried with both a Christian cross and a hammer of Thor. Yeah. <coughs> Which was probably like, yeah, okay, which uh, are we going to Viking town to trade? <laughs> la- yeah, I'm gonna show that one. And and there's a very famous, um, it's it's called the Wolf's Cross, which is uh, unfortunately they only find one of them, and it's on Iceland, and and it's basically a combination of um, of what has been interpreted as the hammer of Thor, but then it has a cross-shaped cutout mm. in the middle, and the piece um, attached to that you should attach to to like a leather thong or a chain is is like a wolf's head so you put the the thong mm. through the wolf's mouth uh, they're they're 
in extremely common as as common the reproduction you can yeah. get them in the original one is, is silver and it's only like i think it's just about an inch big mm. uh, so it's it's really intricate for its size it's it's a wonderful piece of art but but you get them uh, you can basically buy them in in any medieval market <laughs> or viking market rather but again it shows that you have this kind of of crossover between uh, the different religions yeah, uh, yeah exactly uh, and and also in there are examples from from Sweden because in in Uppsala they they had the big sacrifices to the to the pagan gods every nine nine years and there there is again letters of complaint being written down to I don't remember where the where the bishop was but a bishop in Germany uh, complaining or or he receives letters of complaint that yeah we managed to christianize the the swedes uh but they're still doing human sacrifice <laughs> but now they're just doing it to to jesus and it's probably not good that they do it right <laughs> but but for the vikings it wasn't really like yeah or, or the sweet strata is like, yeah, of course we're going to sacrifice just because we have a new god. Yeah, we, we sacrifice mean... to the gods. Yeah, exactly. And and what why mean, should Jesus we deny matter? him all of the these cool things that yeah. we give him? So I'm, I'm thinking at that point, the bishop would have probably been in Bremen. I think that, was, yeah. I think that was the the diocese that covered Scandinavia mm. to begin with. But yeah, and and I mean, that's that's the that's the thing like um, People, people were were very pragmatic. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of uh, actually of Benny from the Mummy movie, uh, where yeah. he just keeps yeah, pulling we, out holy yeah. symbols. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah, I could definitely see a merchant doing that. Like, okay, we're starting in Christian lands. Yeah. I've got my crucifix. Yeah. Then we're going through the uh, the Norse uh, lands. I've got my hammer of Thor. Yeah. Now we're heading into the east. Well, I've got my axe of Perun ready, and yeah. all that sort of uh, of of thing. If if nothing else, it would make a fantastic Dark Ages character. Yeah, basically this this pragmatic uh, traveler uh, who's who's been around, uh, and, and basically at the, uh, ready to adopt any religion whatsoever. Yeah, I've 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 learned like five uh, sentences of of religious stuff from every area. Yeah, yeah. So so I can get I can get around. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's that's the thing. Like one of the things that that is fun is always. Finding inspirations yeah. for for characters, and and that's that's one of the things that I get out of reading all these historical stuff is is constantly getting ideas for both characters that I can play, but also NPCs I can put into stuff when I run stuff and when I write stuff. Yeah, um, and so it it always ends up being being a bit <laughs> like like a lot of the stuff that I run and that I write is is like seventy five percent gaming stuff and 25% history uh, education yeah, just yeah. because I, I find so many fun things. Yeah. And and I, again, I think it's a great way to to spread knowledge or, or to learn about uh, history or whatever it is that, that you want to learn about. If if you can, like, learning by playing yeah, exactly. or having fun, it's it's just such a great way to, to know about stuff. And, and for example, uh, I, I learned the fact that there's to Washingtons in in the U.S. by watching X Files because they go between Washington D.C. and Washington State, which I, I really didn't know that there were two separate places before watching X Files. Yeah, and then of course our American listeners will go, "Well, how could you not know that?" And we'll go, "Come on, Americans, you're the last people to uh, to yeah. berate anyone for lack of uh, geographical knowledge." <laughs> yeah. um, 
So yeah, um, but and and I mean, we we talk a lot about history, but I also wanna wanna say that that I I don't want to be the kind of guy who who is a history fascist and and expects everything to be historically accurate. Um, before we did this, we were talking about an upcoming LARP that we'd really like to go to, Giovanni mm. the, uh, LARP, The Last Supper, uh, which looks really cool. And it's uh, set to take place in the middle of the 15th century. Yeah. Uh, and, and we were talking about outfits, and because I asked you, being yeah. the, the, the clothing expert, what, what would people be wearing back yeah. then? And then we got into talking about, like, they're probably not going to say that you have to wear period-accurate costumes. Yeah. Because, obviously, I think... I think it's cool if people aren't going to go completely crazy as long as you can see that they're doing something historical. Personally, I want to be as historically accurate as possible, but that's just me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go around pointing out, oh, that's wrong, that's yeah. wrong. I'm not going to say you're wearing a rapier. Rapiers weren't around until like uh, about 100 years later. Yeah. I'm just not going to wear a rapier myself, but that's 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 my thing. I think um, in the end, it's it's all about having fun with it. Yeah, and and when and again, this is just my personal opinion. So please disregard it if you don't agree with me. But I, I, I think it's it's more of not really a problem, but an annoyance when when people chose more like the the Hollywood style kind yeah, of of yeah. There's. Um, there, there was a a, uh, a phenomena in in the Swedish LARPing society called uh, the LARPing beret, <laughs> uh, which which was basically you had this this kind of of fake velvet beret that I I think the original inspiration is probably from bards in in Dungeons and Dragons because mm, they're yeah, often yeah. depicted with with something like that and and especially having a feather in it, uh, and and that wasn't really. Uh, and and then you often combine it with kind of a historical outfit. I've seen people wearing kind of Viking outfits with with that kind of hat, and 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 for me it's just like no, it, it's it's not even an historical inaccuracy or or a, a anachronism. It's yeah. it's just a complete Hollywood myth. And and I'd rather have someone like having having your period accurate clothes be a hundred years too late or yeah, wear a tricorn instead. Yeah, exactly. Something like that that was actually around but but at least have some kind of historical uh, basis. Um because if if we go um to a, a historical LARP as well, we we do know that the clothes were a thing that you valued. Yeah. Uh, and so you would if you look at uh, wills and testaments, you would hand down your clothes to like, if you have a fancy cloak, you're gonna. That's gonna be part of the inheritance, uh, and and so you're gonna have people who are wearing basically the vintage clothes, even <laughs> even in in a, in the year like 1450, people are still going to wear clothes from the 1430s or perhaps even earlier because mm. it, they're still perfectly fine clothes. And obviously, if you're a vampire, you may yeah, pine it, for, yeah, exactly. for an earlier time. Yeah. And and also, if you decide to wear something that's a little bit later, once again, as long as you get a certain look for it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and you always have to make allowances. For example, uh, if I go to a historical LARP, there are not a lot of historical periods where my hairdo is appropriate. Because yeah. I have... Um, I don't want to use the the English uh, word for it. I, I have what this Danish is called the coxcomb. Basically, you know the 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 shaved yeah. sides, and then uh, uh, it's it's a bit long uh, going down the center. 
and there's not a lot of, of places and periods where where that would work for uh, yeah. for me. Uh, and you have people with piercings that they might not want to take out. I mean, yeah. you you have glasses yeah. and stuff like that. Tattoos, both of us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you always have to to have that. Um, yeah, that, that sort filter, of, that kind of filter. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I think uh, can be really uh, important is mentioning, no, this is real in character. For example, yeah. uh, if I went to, let's say, a LARP that takes place in the 1950s and I had my hairdo, uh, I could uh, uh, play a character where I would say, no, no, I have this, my character actually has this hairdo because that would cause a lot of... of uh, yeah play because people react to it and I'll yeah. be able to say yeah I was uh, a paratrooper during World War Two yeah because they actually did that hairdo yeah. in order to scare the enemy yeah so so that can that can actually in a in a LARP generate a lot of interesting play if you say well yeah my character actually has the same tattoo that I have or yeah my if, character if has these it, piercings yeah. yeah if you can find a historical yeah that's, that's actually a really it, good yeah um, uh, or or in a vampire like, like I have all these piercings because I'm a Tzimish. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and speaking of, I think one of the reasons why the paratroopers actually had had that hairstyle was that they had quite a few members of uh, indigenous people in the ranks. Yeah, and and so you also have uh, a few f really famous. Uh, photographs from uh, the, the night before D-Day mm. where you have paratroopers basically doing war paint on yeah. each other uh, which is also again we go back to the, this whole thing about what is considered manly and, and unmanly and makeup has been a manly thing for, for a very long time Yeah, though uh, I, I will say stop putting uh, eyeliner on your Vikings Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's um, a YouTuber um, one that I can only recommend people follow uh, called Scholar Gladiatoria, mm. uh, Matt Easton. He actually did a video on uh, the Hollywood Viking. Yeah. So what does what makes a Hollywood Viking? Number one, the hairdo, specifically yeah. my hairdo, yeah. which is the the long coxcomb, usually with braids involved. Yeah. Um, eyeliner. Yeah. Uh, and braided leather. Yeah. And it's like leather. Yeah, leather is a really good material. But the whole braided leather and yeah. the whole like um, basically biker jacket leather. Yeah, especially if you put a bunch of studs on them oh. as well. It's yeah. And also, um, this is kind of funny. <coughs> Sorry, still recovering from a bit of a cold. Um, like often when you see uh, in in movies and TV shows people wearing fur, they always have the fur on the outside. Yeah. And I know it, it's visually more. Imposing, like yeah. you put, you put on, uh, for example, with within um, Game of Thrones, the Night Watch, they they get bigger. Yeah. But you you generally wore the fur on the inside. Yeah. There there is a point and uh, when it's actually better to have the fur on the outside, but but that's basically if I can't remember if it's if it's when it's really cold and a dry cold, so you don't yeah. get get the moist but if if you look especially if you look out the window now when it's raining here in Denmark like you you really don't want to to have the fur on the outside because it's be so heavy yeah and and of course especially sheepskin and and a lot of other furs they have the natural protection of uh, of of the fats and oils mm, from yeah. from the fur but if you wear it for a long time that's that's going to wash away because it's since it's dead it's not going to get renewed uh, so so yeah, it's um, the, you you wore the fur on, on the inside, 
uh, and quite often when you if you look at um, especially up in in the uh, medieval times if you look at, at uh, things like like hoods and cloaks uh, and and thick overcoats they are, are very often lined with furs just yeah. to make it, and and if you have one of those it's extremely hot they're they're really uh, they're really effective and uh, probably if the, the people who has done military service probably knows about it that you have like this thick overcoat that you when you've been out marching and you take a break uh, you you put it on because that's when you're gonna get cold but as yeah. soon as you start moving again then then you take off it's it, sometimes it's called a watch coat or uh, we we call it the uh, the coma coat because when you put it on, it got so hot that you basically <laughs> went into a coma and, and you just like okay, I'm I'm no longer freezing. I just want to sit here and and, and take a break. Uh, yeah, you did your military service in Finland. That yes, must have it, been seriously cold. Yeah, it was. It was also quite uh, hot in the summer. Uh, so so I get a Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that was the worst. Uh, but that's uh, we, we're gonna have to see if if our podcast goes on for long enough so that we move up into the to the modern days to talk more about that. But but yeah, uh, so for on the inside, it's it's a good move, uh, and and also it uh, if you have it in a cloak, you can still show it off. If you open up your cloak, you're gonna yeah, have the exactly, fancy. Yeah, exactly. Because that's that's also an important thing. Like you you want to be able to to show stuff yeah. off. Yeah. Um. You, you want to uh, you want to show if you have money, then you then you show it off. Uh. I mean, it's 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 all about it's all about the bling. It's all about showing what you've yeah. got, and that that was a big thing. Uh. Like people may think that in the Middle Ages, ooh, Christianity, humility, stuff like that. Yeah. No. no. It, no. it was. Catholicism and and Catholicism likes showing off. Yeah, I mean, it, all of that, all of these things that people think about, like medieval Europe. Oh, it's Christian, so it must have been humble, and it must yeah. have been afraid of showing, especially women naked. Yeah. Must have been afraid of sex, especially premarital sex. Must have been um, afraid of of cleanliness and yeah. anti science. And no, all of that stuff is is basically uh, after the whole. Um, Protestant movement yeah, and, and stuff like that, Reformation and the discovery of the New World. Yeah, because the the Catholic Church was all about using wealth to uh, show the glory of God. Yeah, and and there's a reason why the whole uh, like in Robin Hood, he's robbing bishops and yeah. abbots who will have rings and stuff yeah. like that because they did have that nakedness. No, no, not a problem. Yeah. I mean. Sure, you, you didn't walk around naked in the city, but women would kilt up their skirts when work walk, working in the fields. Yeah. And if you were pregnant, it weren't like you were going to go uh, somewhere private to feed your baby. So yeah, yeah. people saw naked boobs all the time. Yeah, and, and also as kind of on, on the same theme uh, was that going to the bathroom as well, like today we have, well, for obvious reasons, since, since we have our bathrooms indoors, we have it in a separate room, yeah. uh, and of course, like if you have the outhouses, where where you want some protection from from the weather, is like the rain yeah. and the snow. Then yeah, it makes sense to build a small house. But there are are quite a few examples where you basically had just a, a, a pole that you sat on, yeah, and it could be just by the side of the road, and and quite often it was wide enough for more than one people to sit there, yeah. because if if you're gonna sit there and and you might as well have some companies yeah, so, exactly uh, so so a lot of the things <coughs> that that we think of as as private today wasn't uh, and especially considering that 
unless you were very wealthy, you probably the whole family would probably live in the same room. Yeah. Uh, so and and people did get more babies even after the first babies were born. So you can kind of draw your own conclusions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, and yeah, obviously, you know, when when people live together in the same room, then yeah, they know what's going on and. Yeah. Since ninety percent of of the population was agrarian, they also saw what the animals were doing. Yeah, exactly. So, so everybody knew where they were coming from, yeah. and the church wasn't like, "Oh, uh, sex is bad." They were like, "Sex is God made sex. It's yeah. just sex." Go go out in the world and multiply. Exactly, <laughs> and premarital sex. Well, as long as people were engaged. Yeah, I mean, because and the the marriage back then was was. Sure, a lot of people married for love, but it was also very much a business contract. And yeah. as soon as you were engaged, it was like, all right, well, yeah. I mean, you might marry later, but you're engaged now, so we know you're gonna you're gonna get yeah, married. Yeah, depending on the time period and and stuff like that, whether or not you were counted as a bastard wasn't was if your parents were wed before you got born. Yeah. So so you have examples of people just holy shit we i i don't think there's anyone like getting married because the woman goes into labor prematurely but but you do have obvious cases of of people being born way less than nine months after the marriage and it wasn't a problem but again what's interesting is that we keep going back to the economics it's Mm, like that's when when marriages and and things like that starts to get economical and and it's it's all about suddenly about marriage uh, or uh, money and like okay well who's going to inherit yeah if if these two people aren't married then then that's going to be a problem so so again we have this this mixture of of religion or, or rather relig- religious rules uh because of or being influenced by uh, by economical realities and yeah. pragmatism, and and probably the other way around. Like, yeah, we can, if if we do religion says says this, so then we can adapt our economical rules to it because it makes sense and it makes things easier for everyone involved. Yeah, exactly. So we've been we've been rambling for quite some time. Which yeah. uh, I mean, if you thought we rambled uh, when we were just connected via the computer, <laughs> you should meet us in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so looking looking ahead, uh, as we've already covered, there aren't that many books uh, left. We've we've got I think three, two or three books left. Mm. Uh, three books left before we head into uh, to the new one. Um, other than that, um, hopefully you're getting a new microphone soon. I still yep. need to look into uh, some good ones for yep. you. Uh, I am also hoping to um, commission uh, a logo. For uh, uh, for the um, the World of Dark Ages podcast because yeah right now it's basically the name of it yeah. because I am not a graphic designer or an no. artist or anything like yeah. that but I just wanted to have something when we did that so one, once we start what I'd like to call season two uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then then hopefully we'll we'll have that uh, other than that um, we talked about one thing that would be really cool was to do some interviews yeah like uh, I would love to interview some of the people who worked on the original. Dark Ages books, mm. um, I, I, uh, on, or 
the original Dark Ages books, the second edition, the third edition, whatever. I'd like to interview some of those. Um, can't really interview myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we have a friend of ours who has he has he has a PhD in in something history. At related? least the masters. I can't remember actually, but, but he's he knows a lot of stuff about uh, Roman the Roman history in England or yeah. in the British Isles. Uh, so kind of fun to talk to him. He's also you know a. a, a World of Darkness player, so so get his uh, ideas on stuff that could relate to that. Um, and if there's anybody out there who's doing anything uh, related to this uh, area that we cover, so um, the World of Dark Ages in the a historical setting, and you'd like to be interviewed, you'd like to promote something, or you just you know, you have you have some uh, yeah, interesting if, points. Uh, please do contact us. Yeah, if, if anyone is is writing a book and want us to review it, it was really I really appreciate that we got the chance to review the Bali book. Yeah, or, exactly. Or if we have any listeners who who wants to to come on and and uh, ask things or, or have opinions or, or just want to be be a guest in one of our episodes, let us know and we'll try to work something out. Yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, uh, it's been mentioned before, but I think it bears mentioning again. 2023 is when we hope that that we can get out into the world. Yeah. I mean, obviously, stuff might happen in 2022, but um, in 2023, uh, we're hoping that we can go to DragonCon. We've been there a couple of times yep. before. Yep. Um, we've mentioned it before, but if you don't know, DragonCon is a really, really awesome uh, science fiction, fantasy, and pop culture convention in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, happens during. Um, Labor Day, American Labor Day, not European yeah, Labor Day, which always weirds me out. It's yeah. not the 1st of May. It's like the first Monday in September, I think. Yeah, something like so that. So Labor Day yeah. weekend, um, if you ever want to go to a convention, I can highly recommend Dragon yeah. Con. It has a lot of, of fun stuff happening this year. Uh, they actually have a Dark Ages uh, World of Darkness LARP. Uh, and the guy who's running it, he says that that he's hope he hopes to run it every year, so that would be really cool. Yeah. And obviously, there is the the Last Supper Giovanni LARP that we've mentioned before. Yep. that's going to be happening in early 2023, and that's just looking amazing. I mean, a historical vampire LARP. Yeah. How can we not go yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. We if if we get a chance, then we're we're gonna show up. And. Uh, from what I know, LARPs are still slowly starting up. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, the um, a convention of Thornslap. That's what I, I was looking for. The convention of Thornslap. Mm. It might start up again in in Poland. If that does, I I'd love to pop back there again um, because you know it it's just I've I've missed LARPing yeah. a lot yeah, uh, during this time, and uh, I I know that there's a bunch of small. Uh, large popping up in various forests, but I'm I'm old and I'm fat and I make uh, a fair amount of money, so I want I want somewhere where I can sleep in a bed. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand that. But anyway, uh, hope you've enjoyed our our weird ramblings, ramblings yeah. <laughs> which which happens whenever we're uh, we're together. Um, Peter, any last comments? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, in that case, uh, it is goodbye for me, Jacob, and for me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Goodbye.